Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. When do we take control of our lives and our destiny? We're a small country, but we punch way above our weight. Like, I'm filming now at this stage, to be honest with you. I thought it was one of the hardest things to do. It was horrid. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Oh, it's a horrible morning out there, but we're going to brighten it up for three winners between now and midday in the Cork's 96 Men's Best of Cork Awards. We will announce on the Opinion Line today the winner of Best Burger, the winner of Best Barber, and the winner of Best Coffee. We'll do them between now and midday. Best Burger, Best Barber, and Best Coffee coming on the Best of Cork Awards 2021. We'll do the first of those in or around half past nine. In or around half past nine. We'll do the first one of them. And will I, t- will I tell you what it's going to be? Will I tell you what we'll do first? I won't, actually. I'll tell you in a little while the one we're going to do first. Good morning to you. Friday, horrible weather out there. It will improve gradually across the weekend. Uh, tomorrow's a bit of a washout. Sunday, a bit of an improvement. And then through next week, the nice tail end of summer before we head into September and the autumn. There's a lovely tail end coming to the summer uh, starting late Sunday evening and right through next week. Some nice, handy weather uh, coming our way. And we can say that with some level of certainty at this stage. I've talked, I don't know how many times in the last week or so, about back to school and the cost of going back to school. And I mentioned to you that, look, it's a, it's a while since back to school was a thing in our house, but, but I'll never forget it. I'll never forget the cost of August, ever. I think it's as parents, it's it's the one month that we welcome that it's easier than it was because August for many, many families is a really hard month. There are books to be bought. There are uniforms to be bought. Shoes, you name it. And, and I was only talking, I think I mentioned this earlier in the week, talking last weekend to a person who was cutting my hair and she mentioned to me that just she's got one lad 
starting secondary school. And before she's bought him a book, she had spent nearly 700 quid. And, and, and there's a lot more to be spent. So it's, is it any wonder then that some families with that expense would struggle for food? And here's a brilliant idea. I think this is a wonderful idea. It's on the it's on the Echo this morning, and only a legend like Katrina Toomey could come up with an idea like this. Setting up is it little little food stocks and fridges and shelves in childcare facilities. Katrina, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, it, do you know what it, it is, PJ? We recognise that there are some families that have. Um, you know, children going to creches and it may be easier for them when they're going to creches because there's like little hallways and stuff like that in the creches and that they, if they need food to take home, that they could take it off the stocks on the shelves. We will keep them stocked because the workers there would leave us know what's kind of more in demand and whatever, we would keep it stocked. Like, you know, if you're making a spaghetti bolognese and you can get a spaghetti sauce and you can get the spaghetti spaghetti and stuff you know you may only have to buy the mince then and if a person is really stuffed they know how to you know contact us but our plan is that um to save a lot of people you know having to contact us or ring us and they might be worried about calling to their houses that if they have children going to crashes that we put you know like you can go in and take a book of some places yeah. like they might put a bookshelf well it'll be the same with the food just to put it out there and that anybody stuck can take it discreetly nobody would know put your bike up on your shoulder and just go in and take your tea bags or take your jar of coffee or your bag of sugar whatever you need because sometimes families don't need everything we have families that do need quite a lot of stuff and we have families that just get stuck for a few things mm. and we just feel this is a way of meeting that demand for them discreetly. Mm. And I'm thinking in terms of back to school, Katrina, and I'm sure you could absolutely. understand what it's I was saying. Yeah. You know, the cost of it, like I can imagine there are a lot of families like kid, youngsters, you know, smallies are starting next week, secondary are going back next week at the week after and I think there are probably some families who normally... Katrina, would be okay. But right now, they're down to the last couple of coins. Yeah, and we we hear that. You know, we hear it every day. And we've heard it since the start of the summer holidays because people are genuinely worried. But the cost of everything is huge. The cost of books is huge. The cost of uniforms are huge. The cost of shoes, the cost of jackets. You have school bags. They're all costly. So, like, you know, we did mention there a couple of weeks ago that if the government was just to kind of say we subsidise these and reduce the costs for them for this year because the pandemic has destroyed a huge amount of people. It's not only destroying their budgets, you know, and, and putting them on the poverty line. What it is destroying is their confidence and how to cope because they're no sooner back at school. And we have Christmas on the line as well. So the, the parents are caught all the time. So we just feel that because of the cost of the uniforms that the government should look seriously at reducing all these costs, reducing all these books. And if they find that there's a pupil that simply cannot afford the books, they don't go from A to a Z in the books, as you know. Mm-hmm. They can be photocopied and they can be given, you know, three or four pages of a chapter. Mm. And that would make it simpler for the parents but it would make it cheaper for them as well. And it would make them, put, it would put them in a position whereby they're able to cope. As it is, everything you need, right down to the ruler, the pencil, the erasers, the, the markers, the highlighters, 
they're, they're all costly. They're not yeah. cheap. When, when, when you say one is two euros fifty, but when you have about 30 things to buy at two euros fifty, right. three euros fifty, yeah, you know, and you might have more than one child. So that is very, very difficult. And it, it doesn't take a you know, somebody with a brain to work out how yeah. difficult it can be for a lot of families. As I said, that, that woman that I spoke to last weekend, yeah. you know, what, she, a lad starting secondary school, and she said she hasn't mm-hmm. put a book in his bag yet because she hasn't yeah. got a list, and she's already spent a couple of hundred quid, nearly 600 yeah. quid, she said. You know, and there is, I know that there's um, a government grant, but it, show, it falls way short of the mark. For a lot of people, it's only 100 and something for a primary school child. And that would probably get a jumper and a pants and maybe a shirt if you were lucky. They are very costly. And, you know, the schools have the school crests, which make them even more costlier. And I know a lot of schools are foregoing this now and just saying the colour will do. Because nobody in their right senses can look at family struggling. You know, taking your, your child to school and your child going to school is a big step for the child. Mm-hmm. And the child wants to be the same as everybody else. Mm-hmm. So you're going to struggle big time to, to do that, you yeah. know. And again, they have to have their books. They have to have their uniforms. It's, it's a must. It's a, a necessity. The school puts it on the line for people. But because of the pandemic, we now have more people that are struggling. And we have people that were working that weren't working during the pandemic. Maybe they've just come back. Maybe they're still on the payment. Who knows? But for some reason, the numbers have increased dramatically. And this is something that the government should look at compassionately. You know, we spoke about bailing out the families. They need to be bailed out. Yeah. You know, if we could bail out the bankers to the tune of billions upon, you know, millions or whatever, we could surely be to go bail out the families this time and just say, okay, if a, a jumper costs you 40 euros, we'll get a reduced to 20 euros. There has to be a way. What with the shops, get all these reduced and stuff. Yeah. has yeah. to be done. Or, no, or, I or for example, and many of the chain stores, Aldi, Dunn's, Tesco, Marks and Spencer, they all do low-priced school uniforms. Would it not be good if the Department of Education were to direct the schools? to accept generic shop-bought, supermarket-bought uniforms? Because a lot of them don't. A lot of them don't. And a lot of them, too, are, you know, they have the, the school crest on for a reason because it's nice to, to know that your child... Like, the school crest is a wonderful thing. I know when my own were going to school, you know, and to see them with the school crest on, it looks fabulous. But we have to look at a way around it. Yeah. And if it means that they have to go elsewhere, but I don't think so. I think the government should work with the shops, reduce their taxes, their VAT or whatever it is on all of these and yeah. make them more affordable to the families for this year and probably for next year because yeah. I think next year we're going to be hit a lot worse and we're going to see you know, extreme amounts of poverty all over the city, yeah. the county and the country this winter. This time last year, Katrina, when you and I were speaking, you said to me you'd been talking and meeting and hearing from people you'd never met before. That's continued, I think. That's continued. And people are coming down that are friends of friends of ours, you know, in penny dinners. And then a volunteer might come in saying, I know somebody who's approached me. And, like, we're hearing it all the ways you could possibly imagine. Now, before it was just somebody would pick up the phone, or they might come down to the door. And, again, like, on that front... 
We have um, our warehouse now has been sorted out for us. Oh, brilliant! We, yeah, we had to, we had to buy um, we had to buy a warehouse because we couldn't meet the dem- see penny dinners is tiny, you know. Yeah. you know that. And where does she put it all? Where does she yeah. put it? I I know. I, I had one volunteer one time who went up to meet her husband. They were going. He was working up the country, and she went up uh, to meet him, and um, he because he got two days off, and up she went, and when. She opened the boot for his suitcase in there. It was full of cornflakes and rice krispies. And she rang me and said, I'll kill you. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's the way things were happening for us. And we were putting the, you know, climbing up top and putting them everywhere we could. But now we have a warehouse. That's and fabulous. since since we started up in Vincent's, we kind of got the know-how of how to do the, the hampers, you know, quicker and, mm. and what people need. So we have a couple of lads now. We have Dave and Jerry and Vincy who take charge of all of that. They're Fabulous. mountain climbers, like, so they can go the distance and they're brilliant. But they do all of that. And then, like, we have the likes of, say, Tuslam. We'd have a springboard. We'd have the schools. We'd have the, the creches. Practically anyone that needs them for their groups, Bernardos, all of them. And we can look after all of them. Today, we have a lot of food now dispersing around the country. We were out yesterday down around East Cork. And, um, you know, we we do our best and we work with the people that are working in these areas, you know, yeah. that will belong to agencies and stuff that and that get in touch with us. And we're always kind of appreciative of them getting in touch and saying, yeah. you know, like we have one school that we deliver a huge amount of hampers to, but we have somebody that says, that when we bring them, they go to their centre, which is across the road, and they organise everything. Then, yes. do you know, it, it discretion from house discretion to house. is yes. everything, isn't it, Katrina? Discretion is everything. All we need to know is that everything is safe and sound. That they go to a centre, that they go to a school, that they go to a crash, that they go someplace like that, and then we work away. You know, the principals know the vulnerable families. The supervisors in centres know the vulnerable families and everybody kind of works and communicates with each other. And if somebody rings in looking for a stock of food, they may have a centre and they may have enough to run the centre, but may not have enough to stretch to food. And you know, if you have food, that puts a, you know, and a person has a full belly, that puts them in a good frame of mind and better able to deal with any issues and problems. And that's the point that I think I was opening up with, that, you know, people will... They will pull the money together for the uniform. They will drag the money together for the books. But then they will open the food press with three days to the next payday and there isn't a script in there. Yeah. And And that's where you can help. It is. And some people, and we're strapped, do you know what I mean? We're going the whole time and we're doing all that. And there's, there's no problem with it because we don't like to see anybody hungry, especially children. And no mother or father wants to have their child hungry. They want to have food there for their child. Mm. And they do budget and they do do their best. And there's no, you know, you get some people saying budget better. That's not the point. There is not... Do you know what, Katrina? I, I have a, I have a, a very different attitude and my attitude has changed over the years to people who say budget better because you know some I might have been one of these people one time who said budget better then I had a couple of kids you you can't budget if you haven't got it if you haven't got it it's as simple as that and that's that's the answer to it so this is where we step in and this is where we try to make things work 
for people uh, and to take that burden off them so that they can get on top of all the other yeah. crap that they may have on top of their shoulders. Something that's a little bit, it's broken a small bit, Katrina, but it's still there. There would, And this is something coming in the phone. There would always be this query every year. Why is it that one or two places, suppliers, seem to have a monopoly on the school uniforms? That's And that's a costly monopoly for, for parents every year. Well, it is, but, you know, they have good quality stuff too that last PJ. And sometimes, you, you know, you have to look at that. Yeah. You have to spend an extra 10 or 15 euros to get something that last. And a lot of parents know the value of getting something that's... That is true. That's sometimes decent. I wonder, do they eat the clothes, like, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about, like, school bags here now, for goodness sake, like, they're, they're crazy over the top, you know, with the design and ends on them. And you'd probably get a bag that, that, that hasn't. But as regards clothing, the quality is quite good. You'll get a, a child, like, in the, the school jacket, the school jumper, they're going to last for the whole year. You're not going to have any problems. Yeah. Whereas if, if you buy something else when you put it in the wash, something could happen. But, I mean, I suppose I know to experience... That if, if if you buy the the school uniform as is with the crest and with the the pants that you're supposed to get and the shirt and that they do last, there is a bit of quality in them. And again, you can't just go spending like if you end up having to buy two jumpers in the year, that's the same as the the original one yeah. that you know is yeah, going to last true. you. True, so true. that's six of one, half a dozen of the other. It's true. So you have a point. about about it being a monopoly. The shops have to charge, but they have to charge for to make a profit, for to keep their business going, probably family businesses. This is where the government should step in and help the shops to reduce the price. So let's kind of take it to the top and let's say, what are you doing so that these shops can, you know, sell their product at a cheaper price? So this is up to the government to do that. All right. Listen, Katrina, a pleasure as always to speak with you at the moment. Is there anything you need that our listeners can get for you? Well, food is always good. Any, you know, tea, coffee, sugar, custard, packets of custard, um, you know, the, the ready-made custard, um, pot noodles, yeah. uh, hot cups, things that you can kind of give people that they can have when a child comes in from school and if you give them a pot noodle, that's something, yeah. you know. Pa- pasta, maybe. Same with a hot cup. Yeah, yeah. pasta. Um, you know, rice, cream crackers, biscuits, mm, you yeah. name it, anything that you'd like. If you were shopping yourself every week and uh, you'd have an idea of, of what people need for to get them through the week. And um, basically, that's it. Okay. We'd All be right. grateful for, for any of that. And like, we're grateful to the people that look after. And tell me something. Do people come into, do people still come into the place in town or can they go to the warehouse? No, they, what they do is we actually take it to their houses to them. Simply because the boxes are very, very heavy, and we have to we deliver them. So uh, they go to the agencies, as I the ones I mentioned before, and loads of others. They go to them, but to individuals, we will deliver them. And we're even behind a bit. No, this is just it's just been a frantic week altogether. What you're saying to me? Even even the chef said to me, he said, "I'm worn out," you know. (laughs) You'll, you'll make it happen, Katrina, as you always do, no matter what people need. Thank you. That's Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners. 1850-715-996. Getting food now out into creches and childcare centres so that, you know, parents can discreetly pick up a bag of pasta, a bit of sauce, a pack of cornflakes, loaf of bread, whatever. On the way home, nice and discreet, 
that nobody knows their problems. That woman is an absolute legend. And if there is, I don't know whether the new Lord Mayor that we currently have plans a freedom in the city. I don't know if there will be a freedom in the city, but I've been saying it for years. If that woman doesn't get a freedom of the city someday, uh, well, we won't be doing it justice. 1850-715-996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. See MIG.ie. Focus what you mean, got my eyes on the prize, that's me. Manchester City are the champions. Number one, that's top of the league. The best football league in the world is right here. Firmino with the flick, Salah! Fernandez, he's going to go for goal, whoa, what a goal. The Premier League Live, powered by Top Sport. Join me, Trevor Welch, exclusively online at 96fm.ie. This Saturday, it's Liverpool versus Burnley at 12.30. Leeds United versus Everton at 3. And Brighton versus Watford at 5.30. The Premier League Live With now, stream live Premier League action With a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership Listen every Saturday exclusively online at 96fm.ie Or download the Cork's 96fm app yeah, The reason schools insist, says Jerry, on uniforms from certain shops Is that there is always a vested interest of some kind There should be nothing wrong with buying a generic uniform and just sew on a badge. Kate says we should get rid of buying the books. They should be rented out each year. There are book schemes now, and that's improving things in a lot of places, to be fair. But it's still damn expensive. And this notion that they change four pages in a book and the whole book's got to be changed is just crackers, crackers, and it's still going on. Tom says we have a government who claims to educate our kids. However, they're not helping the people we're stuck for cash and caller simply says uh, free education my eye will we make somebody's day it's time to reveal another winner in the Cork's 96 FM Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie find trusted local plumbers electricians locksmiths and more with a 12 month guarantee backed by Board Gosh Energy now earlier this morning Simon and Ross announced the best breakfast winner. That's Tony's Bistro for 2021. They also announced the winner of the best gym. That was District Health and Leisure. So two Best of Cork Awards given out. And we have three more to do on this program. Who is there on line one? Keith, good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? How are you doing? Keith, where do you work, my friend? I'm, uh, I'm in Son of a Bun, PJ. You're in Son of a Bun. What if I told you, Keith, that Son of a Bun has just won Cork's Best Burger? <laughs> yes. I'm delighted. Thank you so much. Yeah, you guys had a tough field to deal with. Very tough contestants among yourselves and others. But you've come out as the best burger in Cork 2021. Son of a Bun, just around the corner from us here. Keith, and it's been a tough few months for everybody in business, but particularly the food industry. So this will be this will be good for the staff and everybody else. This is, this is brilliant altogether. It's great, great for morale, and uh, we're very grateful for everyone who voted for us mm-hmm. and for yourselves to, to give us this award. Thank you so much. It's been a tough few months. How are things looking these days? Very good now. Um, we're we're you know 
quite busy um, each night, thankfully. Good. A lot of people coming back to us and regulars, and it's just great to see people uh, coming in and, you know, happy to see us as well, as much as we're, we're happy to see them. People will always come back for the good stuff. Winners of the Cork's 96th and Best of Cork Awards 2021. Best Burger, Son of a Bun. Congratulations, Keith, and best of luck to everybody in Son of a Bun for the future. Our friend in Queensland, Dr. Niall Conroy, who we've spoken to quite a few times on the programme now about the management of the pandemic and really doing it with public health measures. You'll know, because people have been gloating about it, that they've had their problems in Australia the last few weeks. And, and the people who say, oh, it can't be done, well... Here's a bit of a lesson for you. Niall has just tweeted, I love this. He said, just a few numbers to put in perspective on the type of control measures that successful jurisdictions employ against COVID. And Niall has been saying for months and months and months that if we wanted to do this here, we could. And I totally agree with him. Queensland had an outbreak involving around 150 people. It has a population roughly the size of Ireland. Okay? And they've had seven deaths. So let's just remember that. They've had seven deaths. We've had over 5,000. They recently had an outbreak involving over 150 people. To counter that outbreak, they quarantined 15,000 people. It's a labour-intensive process. It's backed up by public health law. It is not a request. And it's heavily enforced. 15,000 people. A hundred of the positive cases were managed at home. Others were managed by hospital and by other teams. 400 venues of concern were notified through their tracing system. A venue of concern is what it is. It's a place where we believe COVID may well have been transmitted. 400 venues of concern. Risk assessed, managed and dealt with by public health doctors and contact tracers. They tested half a million people for 150 cases over a three-week period. There was a lockdown that lasted for a week in the worst affected area. And they have now had they have not now had a case in the community, a single case in the community in two weeks. That's how it's done. That's how it's done. Those are the numbers. That's how it's done. 1850-715-996. Staying with back to school and all the various elements of that. And I'm sure we'll be back to school heavy for the next week or so. And that's okay too because it's a very important time of the year for many, many families. Uh, it's been in the news that over a third of mums or dads are now stressing over the strangest of thing. The quality of the school lunch. Because, you know, you now have to give your children the right food to take to school. You can't just throw a sandwich into a lunchbox anymore. You can't give them sweets because they shouldn't have them anyway. Biscuits are sprouted upon. The stuff that I took to school when I was a kid, you couldn't take to school today. So people get very stressed and very bothered. Uh, Sarah Kyo is with eatwell.ie. Sarah, good morning to you. Good morning there. Do people get do people get it get overthink this a bit? Do you know, I 
I think sometimes they do. I mean, there's definitely people out there who throw the sandwich in the lunchbox, which is absolutely fine. And then I think sometimes people think, well, should it, it look like it's beautifully arranged on Instagram? And I think we can overthink it. And I know when I'm talking to parents, one of the things that parents get most worried about is what if the child takes the same lunch to school every day? And my answer to that is always, as long as it's it's all right. It doesn't have to be perfect, but as long as it's okay, it doesn't matter if your child eats the same chicken sandwich every single day for a year at school. The key thing is, is that they actually eat something. Yeah. And that's the most important place to start. Yeah, I would worry why, why a parent would be concerned about that, like they're eating. And as long as it's something of reasonable quality and they're eating it every day, where's the problem? Exactly. And I think sometimes we put under too much pressure. And, you know, I mean, I think I think it's useful for parents to know is that, you know, at school, the lunch that kids get at school is less than 20% of the total food they eat in the day. So actually, if they're doing all right at breakfast, they're having a reasonably good afternoon snack, dinner is okay, then do you know something? I wouldn't be losing sleep over what goes into the lunchbox. It's great if you can get some good nutrition into them. You know, it is. But... You know, kids spend half their lunch chatting, you know, and especially younger kids, they're not used to kind of eating a little bit faster to get the food in with that. So, you know, I wouldn't be too concerned about it at all. Do your best. Put a few bits in there. Like, great if you can put a bit of fruit in there. Great if they eat, you know, a carrot stick or something. Great if they eat a sandwich. But I wouldn't be losing sleep over it. Mm. Schools also tend to make it harder because they don't want this and they don't want that and they don't want the other. Should schools just butt out? No, I have to say, I, I, I really welcome the sort of healthy eating policies a lot of schools have because I know, and you were talking about when you were growing up, I was the same. I always remember the kids in my class coming in with two Mars bars and a packet of crisps or whatever. And while a treat like that is, is absolutely fine now and again, for lunch, you're not giving kids, you know, a bit of the protein or the, the, you know, what they need to be growing. So I think, you know, we need to be looking at balance and I think schools are great at helping just to give some messaging on it and you know there's a lot of schools that have that there's you know there's no treat foods during the week and then you're looking at you know maybe a treat on a Friday and I think that's lovely to teach children that treats are okay now and again which they are but not something to have every day so and I you know I think sometimes schools are also under pressure where you know maybe if a child has a nut allergy in a class they do have to say not this yeah. But I think, you know, we can have a little bit of flexibility within that as well. Yeah. I read an article in the, one of the British papers in the last day or two, Sarah, uh, that, about the amount of sugar that is in what is sold as healthy kids' uh, snacks, like certain yogurts and stuff. Well, the thing I find with a lot of those studies is when they decide to, to look at those, they don't go for the plain yogurt and they don't go for a fruit yogurt. They tend to look at, you know, the chocolate sauce with crispy, you know, marshmallows or whatever's on top, type yogurts. Which, isn't you know, that what diabetes, kids like? Well, it sure does. not what we all like. But what I'd say is that, you know, they're desserts. You know, it, that's what I would always regard them as desserts. And I think we have to be very naive in the extreme to be buying something like that and thinking that it's going to be not full of sugar. Yeah. You know, when we talk about yogurts for kids, we're talking about a plain yogurt, a fruit yogurt. And there's lots and lots, I would see, fruit yogurts that are aimed at children, which are absolutely fine. And the thing about it is when we look at the label on yogurt, the thing we forget is that yogurt, milk has a natural milk sugar. It's not an added sugar. So even with a plain yogurt, there'll always be a little bit of sugar on yeah. the label and it's fine. Lactose, and then yeah. if you have a fruit yogurt, yeah. there's going to be a bit of the sugar, natural sugar from the fruit in there as well. So, you know, when you look at most fruit yogurts, the vast majority have them about the equivalent of maybe one teaspoon of added sugar. And you're allowed, even on the most strictest you know, rules, to have about seven teaspoons of added sugar a day. And I think sometimes we're so focused on the sugar, we forget all the other really important nutrients in yogurt. You know, the calcium and the protein and the vitamin B12. I, I really get irritated when I see something like yogurt compared to things like soft drinks because there's just no nutrition in there. 
Whereas mm. if you look at the yogurt, the child is getting such benefit. And you know what? If the only way to get your child to eat the yogurt is there's a bit of sugar in it, I'd rather you did that than skip the yogurt. Mm. Do you know one thing that, as parents we're always told is to you know teach children the importance of a good diet. Can you do that through the lunchbox or are you better to focus on that at dinner at home? You can do it throughout the day. And I mean, the most important way to do it is actually by what we often talk about modelling. If kids have to see you eating the stuff, like if you never eat fruit, never eat vegetables, eat treats all day long, your kids are going to do that too because mm-hmm. that's what they see. It's lovely to put the food in the lunchbox, but you are balancing the, the sort of the food waste side of it because you don't want to be putting food in lunchbox that's coming home to go into the bin. But what I find with my own kids, stuff that comes home, I often just open it up and put it up for the afternoon snack and often they eat it then because they're more relaxed and they have a bit more time to do it. So, you know, it's it's nice to give them an idea that there needs to be a little bit of balance in what goes into the lunchbox. But I don't think we have to be throwing out lots of food or trying to really get very complicated with it. Mm. Which is more important in your view with regard to a lunchbox, nutrition value or whether or not stuff is good for your teeth? To be honest, I balance the two. The thing for me always at lunchbox, to be honest, is that the child eats it. Because what you don't want is a child who opens it, closes it, and then goes, you know, they're not going to learn well for the afternoon if they haven't eaten, you know, mm. you know, and if you've young kids in particular, the mood isn't great if they haven't eaten. So for me, the first thing is that they actually eat something. And then from there, we're going to look at both teeth and nutrition because they go hand in hand. You know, you want the calcium to be eaten for teeth. You don't want a huge amount of sweets and things. And as I said, it's one of the reasons I think sort of a healthy eating policy in a school is a good thing because mm. it's better for those teeth to be having the water or having the milk at lunchtime and not having a lot of very sugary foods. But in saying that, I wouldn't worry about a yogurt because we know because of the calcium and other things in there that they're really good for teeth. Mm-hmm. If I was putting together a sandwich for, or a, sorry, a lunchbox for, say, a nine-year-old, I would be looking now at maybe a sandwich with a bit of a bit of decent meat, not not the plastic stuff. A sandwich with a bit of decent meat, an apple, um, maybe maybe a, maybe a, lo- a lump of block cheese, and a couple of grapes. Am I doing all right there? Perfect, absolutely perfect. And you know, if you have a child who eat any or all of that, fantastic. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, we do. I mean, fussy eating is always going to be an issue with kids as well. Yeah. And the kids like they can go like through that. periods when all they eat is chicken nuggets like oh look they do but look I was, I was going to say I'm working with the Celiac Society and we have a webinar on next week on fussy eating and child nutrition which is actually free and people can register at celiac.ie just if parents do have kids that are fussy eating it's just get a few tips because yeah. I think again we, we have all this knowledge about nutrition but get should, the do you it. indulge it's, a fussy phase is a question I often thought of before like if we have the point where the child will only eat chicken nugget for argument's sake chicken nugget like would you ever do something like just throw a few nuggets into the lunchbox so they'll eat something depends on what they're doing and how long it's going on for a little bit of kids some kids will sort of try it on a little bit that they know if they fuss enough that oh, they get yeah. their favourite food oh you know? yeah so I, I would ace manipulators huh? oh listen you know as innocently done you know but um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily do that the whole time but I always find for particularly with some kids who really have issues around fussy eating, you have to take each child as an individual and and kind of work from there. So I think there's no hard and fast rules with it. And lastly, water or juice? Oh, definitely water. Really good for teeth. A little bit of juice now and again is fine, but I think through the day, water is definitely the better drink. Is it okay to flavour it? Do you know, plain water would be the best. Once we start adding flavourings and things into it, it tends to get a little bit more acidic. So even if there's no sugar in it, it's just plain water or if they'll drink milk in school would be the two drinks I'd definitely go for. All right, okay. It's good to talk to you. And where can people find out more? Eatwell.ie is your website. And give me that that, um, webinar again that you have. 
Yeah, so um, I've got some tips on my Instagram page at Sarah Kyo RD, and then the webinar is on the Celiac Society, so www.celiac.ie. Okay, all right, good to speak with you. Sarah Kyo of eatwell.ie. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Darren and Demi. Live. Saturdays 2 to 6 p.m. On Cork's 96FM. Got me feeling so Every Saturday, Darren and Demi bring you the best weekend vibes. Fill your afternoon with the best music mix. Entertainment news and lots of laughs. (laughs) Darren and Demi. Darren and Demi. Live. Saturdays 2 to 6 p.m. So good. Corks 96 FM. Corks 96 FM. Backing the Rebels all the way to the All-Ireland Final. Jesus, give... PJ, give COVID a break for one day, says a message. Why? I think it's brilliant news that they've managed to stamp out an outbreak in Queensland by just doing it properly. And what's even more brilliant about that is it's an Irishman leading it up. I think that's so great. We have an Irishman in Queensland heading up a massive team. They go from 150 cases to nothing in the community in a couple of weeks through sheer hard work and public health enforcement. So, I won't talk about it now, but yeah. Anyway, Kevin Higgins uh, is with the Cork Fire Service and I think there is a, a sh- is there a shortage of blood in the system, Kevin, at the moment through a lack of donors or where do we stand? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, yeah, I suppose uh, I was asked there to give some thoughts on blood donation. This surely a shortage at this time of year because a lot of people are on holidays and stuff. Obviously, people are staycationing probably this year, um, but there can be a dip in supply during the summer months, so they always kind of try to encourage people to donate if they can for the first time um, during the summer to try and get the supply secured for the winter months, you know. Has the pandemic made it harder to get uh, donations? It has because uh, a lot of people were afraid, obviously with the cocooning, a lot of the older people were afraid to to put themselves at risk of of um, contracting COVID, um, so there, there was a dip over the during the lockdown, especially the first lockdown. Uh, I think it has levelled off since since um, since that as things have opened up. But they're constantly looking for new donors to come on board, uh, and that's what I was asked to give my thoughts on there uh, yeah. during the week. How did you become a donor yourself, Kevin? Um, so myself and a couple of friends decided to sign up about twelve years ago as an open day down at the Rochester Park Hotel. Uh, on the day, though, I had a head cold and they wouldn't take blood from me, which is great. Um, and it was one of those things, I suppose, PJ, that I never followed up afterwards. Mm. Um, I just kept putting it off. I kept getting letters and then emails kind of reminding me to, to, to go down and give my first donation. And I kept putting it off and putting it on the long finger. Uh, and before I knew it, kind of, there was 10 years gone past. Uh, I suppose what happened with me then was my daughter, uh, when she was born, she had a, a rare genetic um, condition which involves going up to Temple Street for major surgery at six months of age. Um, so they expanded her skull to make room for her brain. Right. Um, she nasty. needed 110 millilitres of blood at right. six months, which was a lot. And w- as soon as the surgeon told me about she was giving us the, the surgery brief, as soon as he told me, I was kicking myself that I'd wasted 10 years, essentially, of not giving blood. 
yeah. when it could have been giving it all along. So literally the day we got back to Cork, I was registering again to, to go down and give my first donation. So I've been going regularly since then. Yeah, yeah. And would you be of a, a regular type or would you have a rare one of the uh, rare types? I'm A positive, so I think that's about 26%, I think, of the population are yeah. A positive. Okay. So I'd be fairly regular. But and how often do you give it? Um, how often can you give it? Uh, every 90 days, PJ, is, is usual. Um, and they give you a text to remind you know, as well. So um, I try to make sure that I go fairly promptly to try and get kind of as many donations as I can in. Yeah. Uh, it was the donation managers there, Maureen, uh, Jill Emerson, asked me to share my story because it's it's just a common one where people put these things off yeah. all the time, yeah. myself included. Because every so often the, the blood donation, yeah, they, they would have these publicity days and they would have open clinics and all that and they'd send yeah. us a press release, we might bring them on, people talk about it. And you were one of the typical people. Like, you went along, you had a cold so they wouldn't take it off on the, and, you never, and you forgot about it. It's probably probably a load more like you out there. How I is Sarah doing now? Sarah's flying. Yeah, she's flying absolutely fine. Thank, thankfully, she's starting preschool in September there now. I think my wife was on with you there a few months ago talking about her, her own condition. Okay. Um, the Monka syndrome yes. is, is what she has. It's yes, a form yes, of yes, yes. skull fusion. It's a spontaneous genetic thing. But thankfully, she's fine. She's absolutely flying if she tries to you. Uh, there's no fear of her. <laughs> so if somebody wanted to, to give it a try, Kevin, and, and give their first pint of blood or at least go along and see, could, could they give blood? How do they go about that? Um, well, there's a phone number you can call there for the Irish Blood Transfusion Service, so it's uh, 1850 um, or, or you can phone direct to the St. Finbar's Clinic. I don't have that number on me. Um, but you can make an appointment there. It's all appointments at the moment due to COVID. Yeah, sure. Fill out obviously, obviously a pre-questionnaire. Um, but you go into the whole process. I think people are afraid that they think they're going to be, it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to be painful and all these things. It's, it's all, they're all myths. There's nothing like... The whole process takes less than an hour from start to finish. Yeah. The actual donation only takes about 10 minutes. You have to do, um, they test your blood first to make sure your hemoglobin is, is up to scratch on the day. Yeah. Uh, and then you normally wait around afterwards and have a quick cup of tea just to make sure you're not feeling ill or anything. The yeah. needle itself is, is quite small and it's only let me scratch. Anyone who's gotten the COVID jab uh, will be well well able for, for the, right. the needle for, uh, right. before, for the blood Before they put in the... The tube for the blood, they actually they actually numb the area, so you you, you know you know nothing about it going in. Like yeah, it is it, painless, um, and like less than an hour. They, they have evening clinics as well, which a lot of people aren't aware of. In yeah. Saint Finbar, or in the sorry Saint Finbar's, yeah. Okay. So like, there's no there, there's a lot of time slots available to, to suit people. I think there's only three percent of the population actually donate blood. Yeah, yeah, that's an awful no small number, isn't it? Well, well, 25% of people, I think, need a donation at some stage in their lives or need a transfusion at some stage in their lives, either following surgery or following an accident or something like that. Yeah. Um, so it, it's vital that the, the, the blood donation pool is increased all the time. Indeed, know? indeed. And I know that Sarah's condition is exceptionally rare. There's only one kid a year, I think, born with it. But at the same time, there's lots of people out there with rare illnesses who have accidents. Blood is needed Absolutely. all the time. And, and you yeah. know, you might... To go along and be a donor, you, you, you could be saving a life or helping someone through important surgery. Kevin, thanks very much. Best to you and best to Sarah and the rest of the family. And if you want to find out more about donating blood, 1850 713 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for Motor, Home, Business, Farm, Life and Health Insurance. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk?
Mention of something that's happening this Sunday night. Uh, it's at Watergrass Hill in O'Mahony's. The murder of Michael Collins. Uh, it's a one man show starring Paddy Cullivan. And they're doing it this Sunday night, 8 o'clock, in O'Mahony's of Watergrass Hill. And why is that significant? I'll tell you why. Sunday is the 99th anniversary of the death of Michael Collins. 99th anniversary of the death of Michael Collins is this Sunday and Paddy's show is at Watergrass Hill at Hermanis at 8 for that one. Also, uh, Magic Nights by the Lee. Reminded that starts tonight at 7 in the Balancholic Regional Park with the White Horse Guitar Club. I hope the weather will clear up for them. And there's loads more performers as well coming up there and Fitzgerald's Park and other venues over the next couple of weeks. The Franks are next Friday and Machia, who we had on the show, they'll be in Fitzgerald's Park on the 28th and much more besides. Great festival of stuff. And also, uh, the Everyman Elizabeth Fort that season or that series finishes this weekend and I was up there last night for a wonderful wonderful production uh, totally random I'd never seen it before I'd never heard of it before I went to see a programme called Charolais written and performed by Noni Stapleton if you ever get an opportunity to see it it's only an hour and a bit long it's a one woman show it is just brilliant it's just priceless and I was there last night and you know the Everyman the Elizabeth Fourth thing that was born out of the pandemic where the Everyman needed to put shows on but just talking to Sophie and the staff from the Everyman last night I think such a lovely venue such a lovely space and such a great they should actually do it every summer now uh, even with the pandemic once once the pandemic is gone of course they should still do it every summer because it's been brilliant and I really enjoyed that night out last night 1850-715-996 remember back in it was May actually I was talking to Anne-Marie McCarthy about surrogacy. Anne-Marie has two kids, uh, Olivia and David, twins, born in India through uh, surrogacy. Uh, they're five now. And at the time, she spoke to me about the very complex and, and difficult legal situation in which they find themselves and she finds herself. Once they're born you have to receive your emergency travel documents from the Irish Embassy to come home. And in the eyes of the Irish state, I am not legally their mother. The woman who gives birth is the legal mother of these twins. So my husband had to obviously go and get his DNA test done, prove that he was the genetic father of the children, and then he was able to apply to the Irish Embassy to receive the travel documents so that we could fly home. Irish law does not recognise you as their mother. No. Irish law doesn't even recognise surrogacy as such. There are guidelines, um, but that is it. So how should the process work? Well, the hope that the process would work, what what we're hoping for is that it would be almost the same as it works in the case of adoption. The mother there has not given birth to the child, but is recognised as the legal mother of the child because she is the person... You know, parenthood, we're hoping, would be seen as given to the person who performs, fulfills the role of the parent. Mm -hmm. You know, she is the person who is there with those 
children, who is loving those children, the only mother they will ever know, the, you know, the person they call mommy, <laughs> that is the person that we want to see legally recognised as the child's mother. It's Anne-Marie speaking to me back in May. At the time, we were also talking about a, a bill on assisted human reproduction, which was making its way very slowly and through the Eroctus and uh, talked about her hopes of what might be in that uh, to cover her very difficult situation. Anne-Marie's back with me on the phone now. Anne-Marie, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. And, of course, you're, you're a member of the Irish Families Through Surrogacy okay, Group. And you were watching for the uh, contents of this bill. Now, it's, it's not law yet, but, but no. does, you know more about it. Will it address the situation with you and Olivia and David? So, yeah, it's not law yet. It's still moving quite slowly through a number of departments. Um, I suppose because it's cross-department, you're talking Department of Health, Department of Children, Department of Justice. It's quite complex and it does take longer, perhaps. Um, at the moment, surrogacy is now being addressed in the bill but only domestic surrogacy. So a surrogacy that will happen here at home in Ireland. Um, Which means international surrogacy is not even being mentioned in the bill and retrospective surrogacy. So the children that are already here have already been born and are living in Ireland are not being recognised as of yet in the bill. So that's where our fight Mm. now lies. And is anybody providing surrogacy services in this country? No, there have been some children born in Ireland to surrogacy. 80% of the children born already in Ireland to surrogacy have been born internationally. Mm. But there have been um, a small number of children born in Ireland to surrogacy. And it is usually a family member or mm. a friend that would um, carry the child for the intending couple. And the, the bill will... will ha- what, what, what is the bill purporting so the to bill do for those? Will highly regulate this, you know, make sure it is purely altruistic, that there is no money trading hands, that it is um, a family member or a close friend that is doing this for the couple. Um, Yeah, so that is very much not on the commercial side, which I suppose international surrogacy um, would be more on the commercial side because they would have their own regulations in place in the country that you travel to. The woman woman who who had Olivia and David... yeah, it was compensated. Yeah, sure. Yeah, would that be allowed here? No, no. Right. So here it would be purely altruistic. I see. That's what they're allowing, allowing for at the moment. I yeah. see. Yeah. I see. And it doesn't address any international element at the moment. No, right. no. Now, we, questions have been put. We were getting a bit of traction, which is quite good. We have quite a few um, politicians coming behind us at this stage and offering us their support and saying they will back us. Um, being very positive, I have to say, when you know when we go to a vote in the doll to see how this legislation will run, they're starting to ask the questions um, to the Minister for Health, etc. You know, will we look back retrospectively at the children that are already here? We can't ignore them. They're here. They're living in the country. They're Irish citizens. Will we start to you know put rights in place for them? Mm. They're getting very vague answers at the moment. Um, there's not a lot of clarity. Yeah, you have support from the special rapporteur on child protection. Now that used to be—is it still Geoffrey Shannon? No, it no. is not. And now his name has escaped me. Oh, it that's okay. Is, um, that's okay. That's oh, okay. No. It was Geoffrey, but it, it, it's difficult. But, but, but you have some some support. There. We do, and I mean, you know, he is saying that we sh- it should obviously be recognised 
um, the children living here, we do need to recognise the fact that they have been born through surrogacy, that they don't have an entitlement to um, a legal connection with both of their parents that they only have the um, entitlement to a legal mm. connection with, with their father at the moment. Yeah. yeah. You have this unfortunate element in Irish law too, that even if the law were changed to, to take account of international surrogacy, well, you can't do it retrospectively. Is there a path to that if you could get the law changed? You see, the thing is, I suppose, this is an entirely new bill. It's an entirely new piece of legislation. So this is something that they could address from the off and put in an amendment to that to allow for retrospective recognition. Because they're writing it from scratch. They're writing it from, from scratch. You know, surrogacy has never been even mentioned in Irish law prior to um, the time when we were looking at uh, the couple, Sinead and Mark, who had to quarantine after That's returning right. to Ukraine. You told and, me about that yeah, the last that time. that was the very first mention yeah. of surrogacy in Irish legislation. Wow. So it's never been actually legislated for at all in this country. So they're starting from scratch. For, so. for, for listeners who, who might be unfamiliar and might not have heard us talking before, Anne-Marie, go through your situation at the moment with Olivia and David compared to, say, Ian, uh, your husband and their dad. Like, his rights and your rights with regard to Olivia and David are very, very different. Yeah, so he is in the eye of the, the state. He is their legal father. Um, something, I suppose, very simple as not being recognised as their legal mother, they're starting school in September, signing of forms for, you know, permission slips for school. Um, I cannot do, because I'm not legally their parents. Um, another thing would be uh, medical um, consent. So if there was an emergency and I was to end up in the CUH with David or Olivia, God forbid, um, I legally cannot sign any medical consent forms. Ian as their legal parent can, but I cannot. Um, applying for a passport, Ian can apply for their passport as a sole parent. I cannot apply for a passport for them. Again, I'm not their legal parent. So, yeah. If God forgive and God forbid anything happens to Ian, mm-hmm. that would leave you in an awful situation. No, it would. Um, I suppose, strangely enough then, you see, if something were to happen to Ian, because obviously we, our will has to be Pretty much watertight. Yes, we went on wheels yesterday, yeah. Yeah, he can, um, you know, hand over guardianship to me. So I would, you know, have the rights then Mm. of a guardian. Now, there, you know, guardianship, I suppose, it's it's not legal parentage. Mm. Guardianship ends again when the child turns 18. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not something for life. Because the rights are not the same, if I'm they're correct. They're not the same. No, and I suppose the big thing then with guardianship, when a child turns 18, you have parents who are getting that bit older. So if you come to a stage where you want to leave inheritance to a child, and I know we, we talked about this the last time as well, mm. I'm a legal stranger to my children in the eyes of the law. Yeah. So even leaving them the family home becomes a huge obstacle yeah. in, in a case like this. If I was they're named guardian and especially again after 18 that, that guardianship lapses. Yeah, I know that you you and I are speaking about this in a very matter of fact <laughs> way Anne-Marie but this, this must be emotionally difficult is it? Very much so and I think that's probably why I get a little matter of fact about it. It's probably the easiest way to deal with it if you were to stop and really think about it. Um, yeah, you know these children are growing up and here with me I am mothering them for want of a better way of putting it but I am not their legal mother 
Mm. And it is very difficult to accept that. Yeah. Um, you know, you it's like, it's hard who, who will words. who will pack their lunchbox for school? <laughs> exactly. who, who will who has who will... bought all the uniforms yeah. and tried them on and you know made sure everything is ready to go? The books yeah. are in the bag for for next Thursday. You know, you, yeah. you do every single who, thing. Who will miss them when the they're gone out the door? Yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, who will be delighted to see that they're we've got them to the age where they are able to go out the door to school happy and content going. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know. would it be awkward for you, for you maybe in dealing with a school too? Because loads of paper has to be signed, and yeah, I don't yeah. know what Ian does for a living. But I mean, if he if he's away with work or too tied up with work, yeah. it, it can be difficult for you to explain. Well, I actually can't do that. No, I've been very very lucky in that the school and the principal of the school we're living in Kilavullen, and they're incredibly understanding. They know the story from the off. I suppose that's one thing we're so we were so certain of from the beginning is just complete honesty about this. Mm. You know, from the very first day we went into the, the nurse's office to get them their first vaccines, it was a case of they were born to surrogacy. At the moment, neither one of us are considered their legal parents because we haven't gone through the, the court system at the time. They were only six weeks old. Um, you know, and they were like, look, that is fine. And they accepted that we were doing the right thing, best interest of the child, bringing them in for their vaccine, following the vaccination programme, mm. and we were allowed to sign off on this. So I think, you know, I suppose being honest with people, being honest with the story and saying, look, this is where I stand um, legally. You know, it is Ian should be signing this form, you know, but people have been incredibly understanding and they've done, we see you as their mother, mm. you know, yeah, which is you, wonderful, but they don't have to. No, they don't have they don't to. Have and to someday you'll meet somebody who, who, who won't. Who won't. And yeah. it, it won't be, they won't be wrong in doing that, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's the hard part. Who's the key minister here? Is it Roderick O'Gorman? It depends on which department is taking the lead. Oh God, yeah. isn't that typical Ireland? Like one hundred percent. Isn't that typical? It's the like. minister, the minister for children, <laughs> your beautiful children. The minister for children is only partly responsible. Exactly. So the Department of Health then obviously has um, input into this because you're looking at medical procedures Health law, probably, when you're looking yeah. at surrogacy and yeah. when you're looking at IVF. Um, and the Department of Justice has a huge say in this because obviously all of this has to go through a court process whether it happens domestically or internationally you still have to go home come home and go through the irish courts so it's actually very much cross um party or cross uh, department at the moment which is probably kind of what's making it quite difficult to yeah. get clear answers now we have been promised more clarity come september we've also been promised which is a big step forward for the irish family to surrogacy group that we will get round table meetings with okay. these Hang on, you should, you, you're, you're, you're seriously not telling me you haven't had these already? No. <laughs> so, no, we've had meetings. We have had meetings with, we've had meetings with Roderick O'Gorman, we've had meetings with local TDs, we've had meetings with Colin Burke, hmm. with uh, Kathleen Function, with Senator right. Mary Siri Kearney. People are really, you know... Individuals are supportive. Oh, supportive. Yeah. And can yeah. you, will you have an opportunity to maybe to get yourself before the Oireachtas Committee or have you been there already? No, we have been in contact with them as well. Um, and yes, we will actually be invited to, to be part of that. So we are getting traction on this, right. um, but we still have not got the commitment that they will look at international surrogacy and that they will look at retrospective surrogacy. Okay. We fully understand it's quite difficult for one country to legislate for what happens in another country when you're looking at international surrogacy, you know. Mm. But we also know that they've already created guidelines for what we should and shouldn't do when we're going 
to another country. Make those law. I mean, make it that a lot of this has to go through the courts before the intended parents even sign up with a clinic or go to the... You know what I mean? Make it, make it very watertight before the agreements are even... It's happening already, It's you. happening. Exactly. It's happening. It's been happening for so long, PJ, that we have children now born to surrogacy who are coming into adulthood. We are going to have another case where we have adults now fighting the state for what they have lost out on. They have lost the legal relationship with their own mothers to their entire childhood. And it's going to come to that stage where they're going to be fighting their own battle as adults because they're now, they are now adults. They're, you know, the first child that was born to surrogacy in Ireland, as far as I'm aware, is definitely over 18. I think she may even be 20. Okay. You know, so it's got to the stage where we're, where we're at that point in 20 years, nothing has changed for, okay. for her and for the other children. And they're not going to be fighting their own battle mm. um, because they lost out. Well, keep in touch with us, and Absolutely. as this thing goes and through, we'll thank talk you again. Thank so much for, um, for the ongoing support, and we definitely will talk again, because it is making a difference. People are sitting up and taking notice, because word is getting out there. So thank you, PJ. Thank okay. you very much. And thank you, because you thank tell you. it so well, Henry. <laughs> thank you. We'll talk again, hopefully, and hopefully with some more positive uh, news again to share. Hopefully, indeed. Uh, that's Anne-Marie McCarthy, mother of Olivia and David, in every way except Irish law. And uh, the best to her and to Ian and to all the families uh, now represented by Irish families through surrogacy. That legislation working its way glacially slowly through the system at the moment. 1857 15996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. So are you happy now, Ross? The heat and the sunshine is gone and the rain that you love so much is back. I was standing out in the rain yesterday. Kissing the rain. Looking up at the heavens. Oh my God, I've no idea how good this is. <laughs> oh, a bit just went to my eyeball. <laughs> we call you Rain Man then. Rain, rain, rain Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tom Cruise You're Rain Man <laughs> hey, listen. You're more like Tom Cruise liner <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning With no DC cars Blackpool For Skoda in the city A long standing tradition in Cork Open 24-7 at nildc.com Cork's 96 Another Best of Cork award Coming up very very shortly We're announcing the winner In another category In the next 10 minutes 1857-15996 In the meantime, Cork's 96 very proud to support our All-Ireland Hurling finalists and you've been doing great work decorating your homes and businesses in the Cork Colours all week long and we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pictures and the results are in Well done to Gillian from Mill Street who wins a pair of tickets to the All-Ireland Hurling Final thanks to Bordgosh Energy They, of course, proud sponsors of the GAA Hurling All-Ireland Senior Championship and the Legend Tour Series of Croke Park. She sent us in a picture with a slightly controversial twist. Her house is decked out not only in red and white, but seeing as her husband is from Limerick, his side is in green and white. So she's got one side in red and white, one side in green and white. There'll be a lovely atmosphere in that particular sitting room on Sunday. Although they won't, because they'll be at the match. 
they got the two tickets. The winner of the best dressed business was Michael Guiney. They're brilliant. I was walking in the other morning past them and they're brilliant display. Uh, Sarah Constant sent in the picture. And the best house was Kean Brickley from Court McSherry, also winning €500. Euro. 1850-715-996. So well done to all of our winners there. Let me talk briefly to uh, Barry Sheridan who is the CEO of Down Syndrome Ireland. And it's been a significant year for Down Syndrome Ireland. Celebrating how many years, Barry? Good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Uh, 50th anniversary this year, a huge landmark for us and for all our members and families around the country, and in particular in Cork there. We have a huge uh, membership in Cork and very active membership with volunteers, a brilliant team working behind the scenes there, supporting all our members with Down syndrome throughout the county. Yeah. Now, you did a, 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 a mural, didn't you, in, in Dublin last month, a beautiful one. You want to do one in Cork now? Yeah, exactly. We, we launched our 50th uh, celebrations uh, around a month ago in Cork with a 50-foot mural in Harcourt Street uh, done by an artist called Joe Caslin, a street artist. And the reaction we got to that was so phenomenal that we just wanted to bring it around the country because it's a national celebration. Um, we're working closely with the Cork branch to try and secure uh, a suitable wall maybe in Cork that we could use for a similar type mural that helps to celebrate and brings the positivity of people with Down syndrome and the impact they have on a positive, inclusive society to everyone. Really about raising awareness, about celebrating, but also kind of bringing to the fore. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. How important that under the role that people with Down syndrome can play in mm. a truly inclusive society. So you're planning the Cork one now, so who can contribute to that plan? Well, at the moment, what we're doing is we're, we're calling for uh, expressions of interest from either local creatives, street artists, designers, anyone who wants to get involved to submit an expression of interest and basically send us some example of their work 
And what we'll do then is we'll choose from there, we'll choose the design to be featured uh, hopefully in a city centre location in Cork during the month of September and October. So it's really exciting. So we were looking for all the creative-minded people, any street artists that would like to get involved. It's a wonderful cause. It's really positive. It's really uplifting. And I think it's something that would really have a huge impact in Cork City and the surrounding areas. And how can they get in touch? Very simply, uh, if, if you're interested in getting in touch or learn more, you can in, uh, email us at info at densyndrome.ie. Uh, and if you're an artist or you're a street artist and you want to show some of your work, send us in a copy of some of your images, uh, we'll get back in touch. We'll be selecting uh, the artist or the artists at the end of it then, and we'll be engaging with them about creating this wall in Cork over the next couple of months. So it's really exciting, okay. and it's something that we want the whole of Cork to get behind, really, and we think it'll be really exciting to build a lot of awareness, a, a lot of activity around the area, and help support our Cork branch, who do some wonderful work down there, supporting all people with Down syndrome. Well, we have some great street art in Cork, and have had over the uh, last year or so, so let's hope we can add to it with yours very, very soon. Barry Sheridan, CEO of Down Syndrome Ireland, looking for ideas on a mural to mark their 50th anniversary there's a website theupside.ie or if you want to contact them directly info at downsyndrome.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With McCarthy Insurance Group Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance CMIG.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM Your guide to nightlife on Leaside Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment Animal Arky and Dolly come to Levis's music venue at 7pm this Sunday night with the latest installment of gigs returning to West Cork Limited seated tickets still on sale for this one. Access all areas. Elton John is set to play Parky Queeve on Friday the 1st of July as part of his iconic Elton John Farewell Yellow Brick Road, the final tour. Tickets are now on sale from usual outlets. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us here at aaa at 96fm.ie Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM. Wishing the Rebels the best of luck in the All-Ireland Final. And we're looking ahead to the match in the last half hour of the show today. 1850 is coming up. It's not exactly a morning where you'll think, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, let's walk to school with the kids yeah, let us do that. Well, we want you to do that more. The next contributor wants to do that more, wants to go back to the amount of walking to school that was done in the 80s. And you wouldn't believe how much was done then and how less, how, how much, how little of it is done now. So that's coming up in a little while. More of the, would you walk the children to school rather than drive them? Would you resolve to do that uh, for the new term? That's in a way well. But first, we need to do this again. It's time to reveal another winner in the Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. With localheroes.ie. Find trusted local plumbers, electricians, locksmiths and more with a 12-month guarantee backed by Board Gosh Energy. Now we told you an hour ago that the winner in the Best Burger category was Son of a Bun beat-off competition from Bunsen and West Cork Burger and Cockpool and Dacent Munch. Son of a Bun rising to the top. And the winner 
of the Best of Cork Awards 2021 in the category of Best Burger. Next one we're moving on to is the category of Best Barber. And some of the names on the list were just great. Great play on words, really good titles for Best Barber. I I particularly like uh, your one, Laura. Laura, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Good. Remind us again what the name of your barber is. It's Peaky Barbers. It's Peaky Barbers (laughs) and Peaky Barbers have been named as the 2021 Best of Cork Awards Best Barber. We really like. You have won it. Oh my God, that's unreal. That's so good. I remember reading out the list of nominees and thinking... And the name alone. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely rings a bell. It sticks in people's heads, uh, definitely. So that's good. Yeah. And like everybody else in business, and particularly for the hairdressers and barbers, it was a tough year, but things are going better now. It has been. Oh, my God, it's been so tough. But, um, yeah, look, we're, get, we're all pulling together and we're all getting through it. So hopefully now it continues on and, um, yeah, we just get back into the swing of things, really. This will be a nice little boost for you now. Oh, definitely. I'm so happy with that. Oh, my God. And congratulations to all the other businesses as well because it has been very hard on us all, you know. All right. But, um... That's, I'm delighted. I'm over the moon. Good. Well, we're, we're thrilled for you too. Congratulations, Laura O'Malley from Peaky Barbers, winners of the Best of Cork Awards 2021 in the category of Best Barber. Another one in the next hour. John says, I agree with Professor Luke O'Neill, who was talking yesterday about Croke Park, saying there should be a requirement to be double vaccinated. I don't understand why there isn't, says John. Was Luke O'Neill saying that yesterday? I believe he was. That in order to go to the match on Sunday, and there's 40 something thousand going to Croke Park Sunday out of an 83,000 capacity uh, at Croke Park. That's roughly half capacity then. Uh, but I'm not too sure there is a requirement to be double vaccinated. And Luke O'Neill, if he's been correctly quoted here, was saying, well, there should be a requirement to be double vaccinated. Would you agree with him, by the way? I mean, if we could go back to full full stadiums heading into the winter, heading into next year, would you agree with double vaccination for a match or a concert or a show? Would you agree with that? Because Bruce Springsteen, I'm going to go off the point here a little bit now, but Bruce Springsteen is currently uh, on Broadway with his Broadway show. It's just him and a piano and a guitar. It's a two-hour show. Love to see it, but... It's Bruce Springsteen on Broadway running uh, for three months. It's practically entirely sold out. But there was a very strict requirement that you had to be vaccinated to get a ticket. Uh, If a child was under the age where they could be vaccinated, they had to sit between two adults who were vaccinated and wear a mask. So, you know, if they can do it there, they can do it here. 1857-15996. In 1986, uh, 24% of students were brought to school by car. And around half, this is according to the census in 19, from 1986, around half walked or cycled to school. Nowadays, it is the complete reverse. The 2016 census census is the last one that we have uh, decent detailed numbers on. 25% walked or cycled to school and 60% of children were driven to school in the 2016 census. Uh, Kieran Deneen is a journalist and a student 
of urban planning at UCC. And Kieran, you want us to go back to the 1986 levels and fairly quick smartish. Good morning. <laughs> morning, PJ. And it's it's a hell of an argument to be making on a day like today. I was so, just looking uh, out. I said, this is not a good day. <laughs> I look forward to all the messages that are going to flood in, literally flood in, the, pardon the pun, uh, in a minute. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, I'd imagine that they had this kind of weather back in 1986 at the time. Now, I wasn't around uh, I wasn't around at that stage. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, to put a serious note on it, I think uh, I think the last eighteen months has probably given a lot of a lot of uh, parents some food for thought in terms of the new work life balance that they have. And look, there is going to be um, a significant return to offices. I would say for a very very brief period of time. And if you listen to the kind of the the, the locker room talk and and you hear um, you know husbands kind of saying I can't wait to get out of the house and kind of blagarding and all this kind of stuff. But I think seriously at the end of the day. Uh, we are going to have a serious shift in terms of work-life balance in two days in, three days at home or something like that. And that affords us many opportunities. You know, it cuts out the kind of the average commute uh, every day to and from work, which is about 60 minutes. And yeah. some people, if you're if you're working in Cork and you're trying to get through the Jack Lynch at eight in the morning or, or half four or something like that, might say, Jesus, my commute is, mu- is much longer than that. And I'm sure they're looking forward to being able to have the chance to stay at home more. And uh, that gives us the ability to be able to uh, leave the home office at four o'clock and maybe make that 15 or 20 minute walk to uh, to schools and, and be able to, to spend more time with family and to be able to walk home. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about going to and from school and the benefits for it are enormous, both for the children themselves and for the parents. Why did it change so radically, do you think? Do we get lazy? Yeah, but I mean, it's very difficult for me to answer this this question, PJ, because like I'm 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 in my mid twenties. So if you, if you kind of look at the if you look at the results, it's kind of what's happened to I I, I suppose people in their fifties uh, and early sixties, like because it's it's their kind of parenting style that is that has led to this. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, children have you know have have classically have taken more of a bit of a power grab. And I'm sure many people like yourself or many listeners um, tuning in today, like had they asked their parents for a lift to school, they would have been kicked up and down the backside Mm. and out the door. Well, well, right up to the day of my leaving cert and indeed on into college, I cycled. Uh, all the time, yeah. and I, and I loved it. And and but looking back on it now, Kieran, to be fair, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it now because the roads are dangerous. Yeah, yeah, and that's that. That is an important point. And the amount of cars. Look, unfortunately, PJ, over the last thirty, forty years, the, the the car has dominated our cities, and we're trying to. We see all over Europe now that you know, even pre-COVID. Um, there were there were uh, attempts to change that, and I think the the COVID has probably um, has has accelerated that process. Hopefully, uh, so we you know we do need we do need massive infrastructure. Um, and, and in fairness, the government you know are are, are putting the money um, are putting the money up. You know, there was 1.8 billion euro under the program for government to improve walking, cycling, and scooting to and from schools. And I actually think. Um, my prediction is is that the the electric scooting in particular is going to take off over the next five years, and there's legislation for that. Um, it will have to be because they're, they're they're everywhere now, and they are illegal at the moment. Yeah, they they are illegal at the moment, but I I, um, I, I do think they could be a, a game changer, and may, maybe not for your kind of ten or t- your twelve year olds, because they're also still going to cost probably the bones of of you know the good ones are probably still going to cost the bones of seven or eight hundred quid. Yeah. Um, but you know, in March the government announced a fifteen million euro f- um, in funding for safe re- uh, routes to school program, uh, and one hundred and seventy successful um, sc- 
schools uh, are after um, receiving funding for that. But it was massively oversubscribed. There were 932 schools that had actually uh, expressed an interest in it, um, mm. which is great. My, my one, uh, we'll say, criticism or worry would be that in the case of many funding applications, that uh, you know would be would be present for even tidy towns and stuff like that is, is there's this idea of the meritocracy for grants or the grantocracy I suppose you could call it is that there's always someone in an organisation who is absolutely amazing at sending off grants and applying for funding mm. and you know sometimes they can pull the ladder up from up from behind them and if you are a school that has has yet to get on the first rung of the ladder for a, a green schools initiative or something yeah. like that you might be left behind in that case now um as far as i know the government are trying their very best to to uh, have that kind of equitable um arrangement for for granting uh, grant applications um but you know it's more of a i think it's more of a, a societal uh, behavior change that we need pj because like if i can be par- parochial for mm. a minute and i i don't think i have ever not had a conversation with you without mentioning Caroline at some point at uh, you know a town that you know well mm. lived and, there for uh, 10 years so i do know yeah. it yeah yeah, exactly. And, and you know, there's a three-school campus that's opening up here, um, probably from a staggered basis. I think the Gwale School are, are going to open at the end of the month. And, uh, you know, people who have probably driven through Cardline, many who might be listening today, will have realised that there's works going on on Ballinray Road. And uh, they're actually after uh, in, putting in a kind of a two-metre-wide uh, cycle lane and also increasing the footpath, which is fantastic, which is exactly what we need in order to encourage children uh, to be able to walk safely because as you said you wouldn't do it now because of the safety aspect and there's so many cars on the road cars on the road mm. but you well, know, the condition of the roads doesn't comments. help yeah, either but, yeah but you get the comments thrown then you know that the road is now too narrow and that it's a, an accident waiting to happen and all this kind of stuff but you know the, the road length has been narrowed let's say on, on Ballinay Road now for example mm. but it's still compliant you know it's still six metres in length there's no problem with two buses going past each other. So, you know, we, we kind of do need to drive that change as well. Um, and I've already seen people using it, which is fantastic. And we, we need to see that replicated in other parts of the county. Um, one, 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 another example, uh, I was working, um, some of those planning students in UCC were working with the Heritage Council and Cork County Council earlier this summer on a project to do with uh, Tower and Blarney. And uh, Tower is another unbelievable example where there is a real um, lack of pedestrian uh, permeability and, and, and safety access to schools and, and whatsoever. Some of the paths on in Tower are absolutely abysmal. You know, they're like 1.3, 1.4 metres in length. So there's none of this kind of, um, you can't walk abreast with your friends or anything like that. Um, so there's no access, safe access to schools. Uh, so that is, that's one major thing that we do need to change. And I think, um, I think COVID has, has hopefully been a catalyst for that and, uh, and that local authorities um, can, can get that funding and, 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 improve, uh, and improve access. Mm. Now, the distance from school, I guess, you know, Kieran, Ali, you, you talk about Carrie Line in particular with all those good schools on, on the one campus. Like, that's, that's not a position that, that, that a lot of people are in. You could have people mm-hmm. who are 10, 15 miles from yeah. the school they can hardly walk they might be able to cycle but they can hardly walk can they every day no, it's, 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 yeah and look that, that's, that, that is a, that is a challenge a major challenge um, I think it's particularly the case in uh, you know according to the census in places like um, Roscommon parts of Kerry Mayo yeah. Leitrim are usually well if you look at the numbers I mean in, in Kerry 70 nearly 71% 
are driven to school. Roscommon, 73%. Mayo, 70%. Galway, the highest in the country, I think, 73%. But Cork, then, we've got uh, near 39% already walking to school uh, in 2016. Yeah. So so we could improve on that. A lot of the schools, I know one school in particular, because um, my, my sister's kids go to Eglantine, they do things like a walking bus yeah. where the, you, the, the kids are dropped at a given distance and they walk the last mm-hmm. mile, mile and a half. Yeah, it's a fantastic idea and I know it's difficult in, in the kind of winter months to be trialling that. Um, I think, you know, I, I would I would love to start a campaign and I, I hope to do so with the aim of kind of by April or May next year to get that going across schools in Cork. Um, there's also, I think it is, I don't know if you've ever seen it and people will probably understand what I mean when I say that, a site like that, PJ, where you see kind of a group of kids walking together in the morning on a nice day and you're in your car, it probably plays on your mind and you, you'll probably go, Jesus, that's great. Especially if you have two young fellas in the back and they're kind of going, well, I should be shifting these lads out of my car and get them to do something similar to that. Mm. And, um, I, you know, again, that's, I think it, it, that kind of... Um, Mm. Once you see people doing that, it, it attracts more people to do it as well. At the it's same a, time. a delicate subject as well, Kieran. But the change between 1986 and 2016, which is over 30 years, that change of the number of kids who walked and cycled then as to 2016, and it would be delicate about how, how the way we mention this, uh, childhood obesity went up in that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and Can we correlate the two? Yeah, and I and I couldn't uh, I, I couldn't fit everything into the article, but I think that's um, I think that's I think that's linked with it as well. And uh, look, the, the the benefits of walking to school in the morning. Uh, there's been research done on it in Canada and in Denmark and other places that as as little as a fifteen twenty minute walk in the morning has unbelievable impacts for you know your your mental health, your physical health, and and also um, being able to retain um, have retention levels and concentration levels in mm. school throughout the rest of the day. And look, there there is a massive issue, and this is a topic for another day, um, with with uh, the the amount of time that's given to to things like PE in classes and and, and stuff like that. Um, and it's a, look, it might be a resources issue, and schools are probably trying to do their best. It, it kind of needs to come from the government and the Department for Education. Um, I mean, and the other thing is, is like, and I, this is you know my own experience is that as you as you let's say enter secondary school, you'll start as you get older in secondary school, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. The amount of girls in particular that will bring in their journals with uh, notes from one of their parents kind of ex- trying to exempt their child from going to PE that day, um, you know, and, you know, can't go to PE this day or whatever. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's that's another issue and we should be addressing, you know, why that's the case. Mm. Um, because I don't think it's, I don't think it's purely just down to, I don't think it's purely just down to laziness, to be honest, PJ. But uh, the, look, the obesity thing is, is a massive thing that we have to overcome. Um, because uh, I think uh, looking at the trends from from what I'm aware, we're one of the worst um, kind of per per capita in Europe. And Unfortunately, we're we gonna are. Have a, yeah. We're going to have an epidemic, an obesity epidemic coming down the line very quickly. Yeah. All right, Kieran. Lots to think about in the article, in the Echo, and a good conversation. That's Kieran Janine, journalist and uh, studying urban planning now at UCC. Would you send your kids to school on foot or on bikes? Change the plan. 
say, lads, I'm not driving you down there. No, 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 we're going to walk. Going to walk. I'll walk with you. Or you can cycle. I'm, and if it, Okay, if it's chucking it down like it is today, then we'll drive. But other than that, no, lads, no, no, we're walking, cycling to school, change of things. Things are changing here now. Is that going to happen? Would you do it? Would you? And if not, why not? Right, before we go to the news, a reminder to you that the exclusive online station, the Back Garden Festival, is back, streaming the biggest hits from your favourite festival stars. It's with Harvey Norman and JBL. You can listen right across the weekend, right across the day, on the app, or go to 96fm.ie. Open up and you'll find it on the app, the Back Garden Festival, from Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. All the weather out there now absolutely hideous. And it is not going to get any better. Like It's going to be rotten. I mean rotten, rotten for the rest of the day and rotten for most of tomorrow. Bit of an improvement on Sunday, particularly in the afternoon time. Temperatures getting up to around 21 and the sky is clearing. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. Looking pretty damn sweet for next week. So there's a serious improvement coming in our weather starting Sunday and running right through next week and possibly into next weekend. Great. So this this too shall pass, my friends. What's out there? Oh, God, that looks no more like August. 1850-715-996. And would you put children out? Like, would you put children out to walk at school, walk to school in that weather? I, 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 you couldn't, could you? Not, not with a heart in you, like. You couldn't do it. You'd hardly put a dog out to do his business in that, like. Do you know what I mean? Uh, do you not realise winter is coming, says this message. You won't get many wanting to walk to school. Aaron says, we used to walk to our cycle to school before the roads got busier. But I can't understand is why people drive their kids to school when they'd actually be faster walking there. Uh, on Kieran's comment about Ballinray Road. Ballinray Road is destroyed! says this message you can't get out of the estates without crossing over the centre line no one will walk up the hill to school two buses can't pass at the same time one bus had to back up yesterday then there was a car overturned on Ballinray Road last Monday because of the carob that comes in from Pat who clearly isn't too happy with the changes on Ballinray Road the reason so many kids are driven to school is because the roads are so dangerous due to the amount of traffic the reason the roads are so busy is all the kids being driven to school. So it's a catch-22. Weight of the school bags is coming up a lot. It is actually coming up an awful lot, weight of the school bags. But Ray sent us a WhatsApp voice message uh, on this particular subject. So I think, you know, it, it, it needs to be just kind of stated that it, there's a massive, obvious economic difference between 1986 and 2016, never mind 2021. There's more employment than 1986. 
and that in itself brings more pressure because you have to, particularly if you're, you're a parent of younger kids, you have to get your kids to school for a certain time and you have to get into work for a certain time. And so back in 1986, if there was parents that had to work, they were under more pressure by having to walk their kids to school if they were of a certain age and get into work and either walk to work themselves or get a bus if they didn't even own a car. So for me, I think, you know, to compare 1986 to 2016, when the social economic differences are huge, um, is it's just, you know, just it's a, it's a bit of a silly argument when you don't look at those factors, you know. Obviously, we want our kids out in the fresh air. We want more exercise because obviously we've become, as a result of becoming, um, having more convenience, we've become less, uh, you know, um, engaged in exercise, etc. because we have convenience. But we also have more pressures than people in 1986, particularly a working parent. Solid point from Ray on WhatsApp voice message. Thanks for that, Ray. 1850-715-996. Just before I move on... Uh, on the match, and we will be finishing out the programme by, by looking ahead to the match on Sunday. Just wondering, um, as you're talking about how there isn't a lot of flags and, and whatnot, well, actually, to be fair, there's not a lot. There's not half as many as I would hope there would be, to be fair. Uh, why hasn't there been anything set up for families to go to watch the match? The trial concert they did, where people are in their own area, would be perfect for families to go and watch the match. We're trying to book somewhere for food and to watch the match. It's family-friendly, but it's booked out. Well, the great thing about this particular match is that it'll be on, it'll be on RTE, it'll be on free-to-air television. So most people can watch this match at home. I'm planning to watch it at home. I'm not going to go out at all. Uh, I'm going to watch the match at home. But I get your point. If you want to go out and have a bite to eat and, and watch the match, these times make it particularly difficult to do that. It's true. 1850-715-996. Do you fancy a bit of grub? Don't do it all. A bit of South African grub. Now, if you've ever eaten anything South African, it's a very particular kind of food. They love their spice. And they love their strong flavours and it's brilliant and there's a a blog um, called Corinne's Kitchen uh, Blarney based South African woman Corinne Austin has set it up and we said we'd catch up to talk to her today because we tend to look a lot at the weekends into what you might you know what food adventure you might have over the Saturday and Sunday Corinne good morning to you Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on the show. Delighted, delighted. You're, you're in you're in Cork, I think, in Blarney since since 2018. What, you're originally from where in South Africa? Yes, that's right. Um, so I'm originally from a small coastal town called Belito in South Africa. Um, we moved over here in 2018, and yeah, we absolutely love it here. Um, we've just found uh, the people are so welcoming and friendly, and yeah, this is our new home. And are you a, a chef, or did you teach yourself to cook? I'm a self-taught cook, um, but I learned a lot from a few chefs that I've met along the way. Um, so in my town where I used to live, Jackie Ray uh, is somebody who inspired me. Um, also uh, a well-known South African chef who has her own uh, chef school is Jackie Cameron. And um, yeah, you can find a link to her on, on Facebook, on my Facebook page as well. Mm. Um, and then my best friend in Australia, actually, she um, is a chef and she travelled the world on yachts um, and she taught me a lot as well. 
In a country the size of South Africa, there will be obviously many different regions and therefore many different types of food. But what 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 South African food I have tasted is very, very strong in flavour and strong in spice. Yes, that is true. So, yeah, South Africa is a melting pot of different cultures. Um, and I love to explore these in my cooking as well. So you'll find, for example, South African Indian food is very different from yeah. the traditional Indian food you may find here in Europe. Um, is it is it the home of, or do you just do very good piri piri sauce? <laughs> <laughs> no, so there's a country um, uh, that borders South Africa called Mozambique, yes. um, and um, you might know the Nando's franchise. Yes, indeed. So Nan- yeah, so that is um, a, tr- a South African franchise, um, and their food is Mozambican, so the peri peri sauce, um, and that is um, Portuguese influenced. Crikey! Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what yeah. would be your signature if you're cooking for for a big occasion what would be, what would be your signature? What do you like to cook? Wow. Okay. So I registered with the HSC uh, to be able to cook vegetarian and vegan and low risk food because I'm a home based business. I can't um, do the meat and the fish and that sort of thing. I can still do that for myself and my family and my friends, mm. um, but not for customers. But yeah, so for me, it's important that the food is full of flavor. As you mentioned earlier, South Africans love their flavor um, and that it looks aesthetically pleasing. So yeah, I've had to be quite inventive um, with my offerings. Um, before COVID, I used to do quite a few micro functions um, and I would do personalized quotations for those. So hopefully those will come up again as things open up. Um, but then I joined the neighbor food um, market, yes. her online market. Yeah, they're taking off amazingly. Um, and my food's on Cork City, Balancholig, Lissavard and Mallow Markets. And yeah, I've, I've tried to include a few South African favorites on there um, as well as um, other items that I have just created myself um, being here, yeah. What, 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 what have you created yourself? What are your own ones? Okay, so I'm just thinking off the, off the top of my head now. So on, on neighbour food, I like to um, focus on the street food culture. So yeah. for me, in South Africa, the street foods that you could readily find in any corner store, you can't find here. Mm. Um, so I've tried to introduce those uh, to uh, my customers uh, things like um, samosas but traditionally um, South African Indian samosas so you'll find things like sweet corn and cheese samosas and they're very savoury they're not too not too chilly but there's not too much chilli in them but they're very flavourful sounds um, nice actually yeah, potato samosas, but they don't have the peas in them. And in fact, one of my Irish customers raved about that. She said she was so happy that her kids were eating them because they didn't have the peas. And them. I love the peas. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, everybody. But then there's also... Um, but that's the beauty of a yeah. samosa. You can put anything into it. Uh, yeah, 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 it is. That's true. And um, what else now? I was thinking my vegetable spring rolls are very popular. Um so, yeah, I, I, I think just with regards to mushrooms, this is something that comes up all the time. A lot of people here, I find, don't like mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I'd because be one, of the I'd way they've I'd be the exception to that rule, by the way. I, I love them. <laughs> okay. Do you, how do you cook them? It would be interesting to find out. You name it. You name it, I'll eat them. Yeah, I, yeah, I, you yeah. can fry them, you can grill them, you can do what you want with them. I love, just lo- I, for, as a child, I'd run out of the room if you had produced a mushroom. Now, really? now I'd eat a whole pot of them on my own. Uh, okay, okay. So I suppose it's each to their own, each to their own. Yeah. yeah. What, what's what's the traditional, say, South African way of cooking them? 
Well, for me, I like to get the most flavour out of out of mushrooms. And there's actually um, an awesome mushroom farm here in Ireland, uh, Ballyhora. Yes, mushrooms. yeah. Yeah, and they produce amazing products. Um, they actually have a dried mushroom powder, porcini mushroom powder. Now, I've managed to source some things from local stores, um, specialty stores here for use in my products. Because mushroom powder is an amazing, amazing ingredient if you're making um, stews or anything. You just fry up that mushroom powder right. in the beginning when you're frying up your onions or your meat. Um, and that just brings out the most amazing, rich flavor. Yeah, it really does, especially porcini. Um, yeah, so what else now? I think you're very impressed, Corinne, with the, the, the quality of ingredients you can get here. That's true, definitely. Um, in my opinion, Ireland's dairy and meat quality beats South Africa. I think this is partly because of the strict regulations surrounding the meat and the dairy production here. So, like, for example, like when I was in South Africa, I had to really source affordable free-range chickens, um, meat that was growth hormone and antibiotic-free, um, and dairy where the cows were mainly grass-fed. I, I'd say here in Ireland, there's no shortage of green grass, so yeah. <laughs> we're pretty good. Yeah, and you love our cheese yeah. in particular, I think. I do. Um, so I I don't have um, cow's milk, and I'm just so happy to be able to have buffalo um, products, buffalo milk products, so the buffalo mozzarella, also the sheep's milk cheeses, um, mm. really, really good. And just the variety and affordability um, yeah. of the food stuff, yeah. Yeah. Do you, like, you would... So you use our own ingredients here, and you turn them out yeah. in your own way on, in, for... for um, for your online store, yeah? Yes, yes, I do. So I also do private orders um, for customers and I have a, a separate um, order form for that. But then my other products are on the Neighbour Food uh, Market website. Mm. Um, Is... So yeah, I, I, I like to use um, all Irish uh, produce. I, mm. I don't use anything other than yeah. Irish produce, yeah. Would there be an ingredient here or an ingredient, say, in South Africa that you can't readily get here? Um, well, I've tried to source. Um, yeah, there are a few things. Like, for example, if I'm making a uh, lemon meringue pie or a, a different lemon meringue pie to what the Irish are used to, the base is made with a biscuit base. Um, there's a packet of biscuits called tennis biscuits. And they tennis have, biscuits? Um, yeah. They've okay. got... They, they traditional tea biscuits in South Africa. They square biscuits, and they have toasted coconut in them, and lots of butter. Oh, they sound like they sound like polo. <laughs> Probably do, yeah. They but sound I like polo biscuits. They were a kind of a, polo biscuits. Were were well, I think they changed them to round ones now, but they were a okay. square biscuit, and yeah. there was a kind of a coconut cooked into them. Yeah, and they're very, very Moorish and very perfect. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. Base. yeah, yeah. Very sweet. So I can't get those but I've just made up my own um, combination of digestives with I toast my own coconut <laughs> to put into the, the base the biscuit base yeah deadly deadly so where can where can people get your stuff okay so you can go into neighbourfood.ie and um, you would look me up there it's Corin's Kitchen um, so I I'm a producer for four of the market collections in Cork City Alan Colleague, Lissabard and Mallow. Right. Um, but also I'm based in Blarney and my Facebook page, um, Corin's Kitchen, you can find me on there. 
um, and my order form is on my page. Mm. Yeah. And one thing I love, you're a huge fan. Why wouldn't you be of our English market? I love the English market. It's one of my favourite places. And it was the first place I actually visited when I came here to Cork. Um, I just love being able to go and speak to the artisan butchers and, you know, chat about which cuts of meat I'd like. Um, and, yeah, it's just, it's you know, you can't really get everything in the regular retail outlets. Mm. So it's nice to be able to go and speak to uh, those butchers and just, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like yeah. what you say. You say, "How the hell can you have pork belly without crackling?" <laughs> I love that. You're, like, <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Okay, it mightn't be good for us, like, but no. you're not wrong. <laughs> All right, this is great talking to you, Corin. Uh, Corin Austin, Corin's Kitchen. Um, there's a thing now you didn't know that you didn't know that, did you? The Nando's Piri Piri sauce is Mozambican. Well, I didn't know. I thought it was Af- South African. You learn something every day. Thanks, Karen. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM is now streaming even more music choice. More music choice. Check out the Hit Mix online for fresh new music. Keep on dancing like you ain't got a choice. And stream the all-new Fit Mix for your workout. <laughs> Listen on your phone and smart speaker. Turn up the volume. Or go, go, go to 96fm.ie. We're bringing all your favorite festival stars to your back garden. Quartz 96FM's Back Garden Festival is now streaming exclusively online. Listen on our app or go to 96fm.ie. The Back Garden Festival with Harvey Norman and JBL. Your specialist in sound this summer. Quartz 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96FM. There's always a song for the All-Ireland Final. And sometimes they're very different. There's a new one. Uh, this has got the cabin all over it. You just know this came from the cabin. When it comes to swinging sticks and baiting slitters, who calling wouldn't get a look in with these heavy hitters? Cause in our history, there's been victory hour, many winners. And when it repeats, then you can rhyme with us. Love it. Jamie Ford. Hi. Hiya, fella. You're in good voice. Thanks. How do, how long did you take to put that together? Um, only two evenings. Right. How did you do it? Who did it with you? Uh, there was a big group of people, the cabinologists. Yeah, Gar- Gary's crew. Yeah. And did you write it to yourselves and put it all together over two evenings? Yeah, we all chipped in, but um, I got asked to wrap it in. Yeah. Yeah. I think I write it together. There's a lovely bit in it where you're ringing your mum and looking for a pearly in a pellet slab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone can clap at 20. It's a drill tune. Yeah. You like drill, do you? To be honest, I don't... I didn't really listen to that kind of stuff, like, but I said I'd do it for the cop team. Yeah, good for you. It's a great job. Stay there, Jamie. Danny! Danny Power! 
how are we, PJ? Oh yeah, another another just classic track coming out of the cabin. Like these are the, the, the stuff you're making up there is just magic. It is. It's uh, it's absolutely amazing, and it, it's like Gary. To be to be fair to Gary, like he does so much for them, and he's amazing. And them as well, like like the kids that come out of the cabin and the talent that they have is absolutely amazing. Like you you wouldn't for me, I I haven't seen that anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, then the, the writing of the song, the recording, the editing, the production, the video, it's all done up there with, with hands-on. It's great, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's all done by people in the cabin. Like, Sean Downey took the, done the video, and then me, Gary, Jamie, uh, Daniel and Taylor uh, d- d- uh, was in the video as well, and we helped Jamie do some lyrics and stuff, and, like, it was, it was just brilliant. Like, I, I loved it, and Jamie, especially Jamie's, like, Jamie's like the legend of Cork. He's the king, you know, and he's yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. How are, how are the wheels, Jamie? I'm grand Good man. Good man. Are you, go, are you able to go to the match or will you have to watch it on the telly? Unfortunately, you'll have to watch it on the telly. You'll have to watch it on the telly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's brilliant. Another... another big hit for the cabin and great to see it and it's fantastic to see the work being done and guys like yourself Jamie and Danny involved uh, we are producing very very high quality stuff on the north side of Cork City in the cabin from the cabinologist remember they were also on the young offenders that's the one we've got for this year congratulations well done Jamie well done da- Danny well done to everybody thanks and one, one more I have to do one more chorus thanks lads that's brilliant Rebel with us from the Cabinologists. Cork's 96 FM, backing the Rebels all the way to the All-Ireland Final. <laughs> ah, there's always one sour old divil out there who wants to spoil everybody's Friday. We, I'll read it. I, I'll read it just to show that we're, you know, people who can take a slagging. But there is always one sour old pinched puss out there that wants to wants to sort of uh, let's get real, says sour puss. Cork got lucky against Clare and Kilkenny. Have no chance on Sunday. Limerick will give us a beating and a sore one too. I think that's probably someone who who fancied cutting the grass this morning or something, and and their day has been ruined by the weather. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. We don't share your pessimism, and we're looking forward to Sunday. On the subject of the weather, it's great we got rain. The drought was terrible. Now the wildfires will break out if the good weather comes back, and there'll be floods to wash us away and leave the city underwater. In 10 years, forecasts would just make you put your head between your legs in case you ask goodbye. <laughs> yeah. It's time to reveal another winner in the Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. With localheroes.ie. Find trusted local plumbers, electricians, locksmiths and more with a 12-month guarantee backed by Board Gosh Energy. Right, we'll do this again. 
Earlier this morning, we gave away the best burger winner, and the winner was announced as Son of a Bun. And then in the last hour, we announced the winner of Best Barber in the Best of Cork Awards as Peaky Barbers. Now, this hour, we are announcing the Best Coffee Awards. Sophie, good morning. Hello. Hi. How, how are you? This is Sophie from... Cork Coffee Roasters, and I'm delighted yes. to tell you that you guys are the winners. <laughs> We're so delighted. That's amazing. Yeah, um, winners of yeah. the Best Coffee Award for 2021 in the Best amazing. of Corks or Cork Awards. And yeah. you've been open throughout and working as best you can with That's all the it. restrictions. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we work so hard. Like, we're just so delighted. So yeah. thanks so much for everyone who voted like it's amazing yeah you had a huge vote um, and we had some very very tough competition in that category yeah, it really, it, like, yeah it was the one of all of them it was the one you couldn't call we just couldn't call it and I know I was looking at it myself and I just thought fierce competition alright alright well, yeah. I know you've kept going uh, and, and you've kept serving throughout the pandemic and hopefully That's things it. will come around now so That's and I see it, you there yeah. in the morning putting out the little seats and everything so I know I know it's hard amazing work. like yeah Brilliant. Thanks so much to Brilliant. everyone who voted. Like, we all worked so hard, and this is just so lovely now. Great. So, uh, that's like, yeah. great. You're welcome, Sophie. And uh, the crew at Cork Coffee Roasters, winners of Best Coffee in the Best of Cork Awards 2021 on Cork's 96 FM. I, I, I have run screaming from the room once or twice when it was on, but it's impossible to avoid it. Love it or hate it, you can't ignore it. Love Island 2021 finishes up. Is it this weekend, Denise Curtin? Good morning. Morning. It's actually on Monday, so it's, it's next Monday, August 23rd. So you've, you've a little bit more time to, um, to, to watch it. <laughs> Are you all excited? Do you know what? I am excited because I'm quite in a similar boat to you this year and I am looking forward to it finishing up. I don't know. I think Love Island maybe has run its course now. It's starting to get a little bit dated. I think people are a bit exhausted with it as well. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this, this season coming to an end. Yeah, it's, it's hit the headlines in a negative way. Yeah, yeah, it has. In fairness, you know, I think people, I think people are a bit tired with the structure of the show. They want to see it being rejigged. They want to see kind of a fresh take on it. You know, more representation. There's a lot that you know needs to be addressed with the show. And unfortunately, you know, we're kind of getting empty promises in the sense that they say, yeah, yeah, no, no, you'll see differences with it, but we're really not seeing anything yeah. different from you know the 2019, 2018 season. Since so, it started. Uh, I guess society has changed and, and stuff that was in the first series it's just not acceptable now yeah yeah no totally you know even if you go back and you watch some of the earlier seasons you do kind of almost look away from the TV thinking god you can't be saying those kind of things now and similarly so you know they've, they've cut the amount of alcohol consumption that's allowed on the show they've also banned smoking so like they banned from the TV I mean, I mean I'm sure they're allowed uh, smoke you know and it's just not shown but um but things like that, you know, they have tried to, to alter the show to kind of make it a little bit more PG. But um, the thing is, is that I just think the entire show as a whole needs uh, needs a complete rejig. Mm, like the, 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 the highlight this week was it was the, the ending of a relationship. I thought it was about building and making relationships. But Liberty <laughs> and Jake kind of went, no, no, they did. They did. And you know what? It's funny is that we don't actually often see um, couples split in Love Island. Now, I mean, we see them uncouple and decide that, you know, the spark that they thought was there isn't there. But uh, Liberty and Jake were actually boyfriend and girlfriend. And it's 
quite rare that we see a boyfriend and girlfriend decide during their stint in the villa actually this is not this is not happening yeah. we, we're not suited to each other but usually it lasts until they get out into the real world kind of thing you know <laughs> Yeah, we get maybe six or seven days of them in the real world and then it hits the headlines that they've uh, parted ways. But uh, yeah, I know they've decided in the villa to split. I'd say being in there is a little bit like a pressure cooker. You know, you don't know what time of the day it is. Producers are very are very careful with making sure that you think, you know, it could be 7 a.m., 8 a.m., it could be 1 p.m., 2 p.m. You've no clue. Mm. And I'd say um, I'd say now being in there nearly eight weeks, both of them are just thinking, oh my God, this is not, this is not what it what it felt like at the beginning. So yeah, they're, um, they're, they're splitting up, but they're going to be going on their final date which will definitely be very very awkward on tonight's show So, uh, and I'm sure they both have marketing managers signed up and, and promotion people signed up when they come out who's going to win it though Denise mm, it's a good question I have my bets on Millie and Liam um, we saw them kind of hit uh, kind of troublesome patch when uh, Liam went to Casa more but since they've, since they've um, come back into the same villa they have really kind of made their bond stronger so I think it could be them but obviously another fan favourite is Toby and Chloe who are just a hilarious duo together they really uh, mm. complement each other so yeah it's it, it's it's all up in the air we'll, f- we'll, we'll, find, we'll find out on Monday I can barely wait <laughs> no seriously I can barely wait Denise thank you as always uh, Denise Curtin does a bit of showbiz with us on the opinion line and has been following Love Island right through will it be back? Probably. 1850-715-996. Right, we've got a lot to do, and one of them is Cork versus COVID. Uh, and, of course, for the week that is in it, and for the weekend that is in it, Moiraid has been out for Cork versus COVID, looking at the run-up to the big match on Sunday. Michael Hogan has one look at the watch. Now is the moment. Now is surely the moment. And Cork on the all Cork overcame the challenge of Kilkenny after extra time in their All-Ireland semi-final. This year's final is an all-Munster affair. Cork and Limerick will meet in the decider on Sunday in Crow Park. Here's Cork manager Kieran Kingston. They want to go and they want to represent Cork in a real, real honest fashion. And that's all I can ask of them, to give, give of your all when you take to the field. On behalf of the players who have with you, the Cork hurling, the public, cock hurling public, the jersey you're wearing and, and play it with pride. And if they give us a performance that, that reflects those things, I'll be happy. It is a busy week for Cork GA. The first of three All-Ireland hurling titles is in the bag after Cork's under-20s retained their crown with an emphatic win over Galway on Wednesday night. The minor footballers have an All-Ireland semi-final clash with Tyrone and Tullamore on Saturday afternoon, followed by the minor hurlers in a final with Galway and Thurlis that evening. Sunday afternoon sees the Cork senior hurlers take on Limerick. Ryan O'Sullivan, who works in Cummins Sports in the city centre, says Cork jerseys have been flying out the door. It's been skyrocketing really ever since they won it's been amazing really it's good for a store as well they can go for commons Simply Suits has been busy organising suits for players management and the executive director Andrew says it has been a busy few days we preempted a lot of it like when they were approaching semis we knew that there was a chance that they'd get through so you can do a certain amount of groundwork as to what's going to be available from what suppliers and you know, you can get a list of the panel, you'd have an idea of the panel as to what kind of sizes that you might need and check availability and that kind of thing. So we had some of the, 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 the donkey work done in and around the time of the semis and then it's a case of when they get through to pull the trigger. You know, with the seniors this year, obviously there's usually a bigger lead time coming into it. It's usually about a four-week lead time, whereas this year it was only two. So it was a case of Monday of last week, 
running around to different suppliers all over the country, seeing what they had, and then physically going and collecting them because we didn't really have time to wait on deliveries to come in. I mean, every every hour mattered, really. Glen Rovers clubman Patrick Horgan will captain Cork on Sunday. Obviously, Limerick being, being favourites doesn't phase them either because they're such a good team and they've been favourites for every game they've played and for the last three or four years. So that's a tag that they're obviously used to for us. Um, we'll be underdogs, but... As I say, on the day, it's all on the day we're hurling. Um, you see, like, we had six points up, we were six points up on Kilkenny. In blink of an eye, it was a draw, like, and you just don't know what's going to happen on a day when, especially these days, playing hurling. So we'll just see what happens uh, and just adapt if we can. Glen Rovers chairperson Liam Martin says the club is very proud. We have, you know, a history and tradition of producing Cork winning captains. I think if Cork win on Sunday, ironically, Patrick, it'll be the eighth time that the club have had a captain of a winning Cork All-Ireland team. So, you know, we're just hoping and certainly very proud of Patrick for his contribution to Cork over a long number of years. And we just hope everything goes well for him and indeed his colleagues and everyone associated with Cork All-Ireland. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Get even more of Casey and Ross in the morning on the Highlight Show. Your chance to catch up and listen again. Saturday between 9 and 10 a.m. Everything is just right. On Cork's 96 FM. At the top of Justin Nagel's house, there's this massive screen, and that sound plays in the garden. Justin, you're disrupting the piece, but it's for a good cause. Good morning. That's some display. Thank you, PJ. Good morning. <laughs> a big LED light screen. Yes, yes indeed. <laughs> and how yeah. loud do you play that music? The music actually isn't isn't played out through speakers at all at the house. So I oh, have good. Um, I have a little transmitter in the attic, a tiny little radio transmitter that just about covers the area outside the house here. Right. So when you pull up in your car, if you tune your car radio to eighty eight FM, you can listen to the, the four songs that play along with the oh, with So the pirate radio station as well. <laughs> Somewhat, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all started there. You're all right. We all started. <laughs> Justin, it's brilliant. And the photographs and the videos coming in. Are you all excited? Yes, can't wait. Can can't we do wait. it? Oh, of course we can. Of course we can. We can oh. hold off the cats. We can We can beat anyone. I think I, 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 I'm, I'm optimistic, but I'm nervous at the same time, which is probably a good way to be. Congratulations yeah. on the latest play. Well done. That's Justin Nagel and Battle at Van Hasek. You can't miss the house. Do mind seeing Jupiter? You'll see his house from space over the weekend. Man was on that uh, Cork versus COVID package, and he'll be in the commentary box Sunday afternoon. Big match commentator from C103, John Cashman. John, can we do it? Good morning. Yes, we can, PJ. Yes, we can. Uh, look, Limerick are, are deservingly raging hot favourites, no question about it. They, they deserve to be where they are on the basis of what they've achieved over the past couple of seasons. But this is an emerging cock team who has improved as the season has gone on. We've covered all the league matches. We've seen real seeds of promise, I think, from early on in the season. Mm. And as the season has gone on and as the championship matches have come up, they have improved and yeah. they've become more consistent. So, There's yeah, a mixture yes, think, of youth and experience there now. It's very special. Yeah, it's very special. Uh, look, the, the experience is absolutely crucial. Uh, Jamie Halliday, Patrick Horgan, Owen Cadigan, that crew are absolutely central to, to the chances of success. But 
you know, the innocence of youth, the development of youth. We've seen it in the past in 66 when Cock won against the odds. We obviously saw it most recently in 99 when Cock won with JBM's team. Nobody really gave him a chance at the start of the year when he went for youth and they progressed, they won their games and, and they won in the end. So that's very something special. And it is a mix. You've got to, you, you can't win anything with a really young team, but you can't win it with a team that, that's probably gone over the hill as well. So look, the balance is there and that, that yeah. is key. But they're up against a hugely formidable Limerick team. Limerick are easily the best team in the country at the moment but I think we can rely on Kieran Kingston to have done his homework here. Without any doubt and I think we can rely on on the Cork team as well that uh, what they have is that they've, they've outstanding quality themselves as well and whereas Limerick will be talked up and rightly so because Limerick have beaten every team that they've come against that have yeah. tried to play a different way as against them so uh, they've ticked every box so far but yeah. Cork have talk, ticked a lot of boxes as well from the point of view of their style their speed their movement their flexibility that's going to be an issue as well that they're going to focus on as well and they're going to very much focus as well on their own strengths and yeah. how, how, how they can they can punch Limerick by playing to their peak. Definitely, no question. You'll be in the in the comedy box Sunday afternoon. We look forward to it, John. Thanks very much. That's Big Match Commentator from C103, John Cashman. Now, let's do a bit of Cork versus Limerick here. Uh, to the Three Degrees Hair Salon. Hi, Kira, how are you? There's mayhem there in the salon, is there? Mayhem, they're all hype over the match on Sunday. Are you, all right. Are you, are you all, how many, who's there right now? All the girls. They're all here now, the whole lot of us. All right. And are you, all the planes. Okay. Oh, yeah, oh, so you have a big, a big gang there, have There's you? There's a big gang here now, there is. All right, hold on for me, because I want to go to Limerick now as well. Uh, Maeve, Limerick as well. Oh, Maeve Dennehy. Oh, <laughs> stay there, stay there. Maeve Dennehy from London. How you doing, Maeve? I'm good, TJ, but I'm in Cork. Oh, you're in Cork, but you're a Limerick yeah, woman, aren't you? Yeah, I'm you're a Limerick woman. I'm a Cork woman. Oh, you, oh, I, <laughs> I, I, I told them we're divided lightly. Do you know what I'm going to do so, right? I want to I wanna get a, a competition going in the two of you. It's a competition. It's a competition, right? See who, who can make the most noise. Let's hear it from three degrees. Okay, okay, steady. Let's hear it from Love Cherish. Can we hear it from Love Cherish? What is it? Just hear a noise out of there. Oh, Lord, okay. Three degrees go again. Go on. I can't hear Love Cherish yet. Go on, Love Cherish. Okay, there's, there's 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 nothing but chaos there. There's half Limerick and half Cork here. That's the point, Maeve. I'm thinking that. Well, well, I, did you switch allegiances? Because I thought you were a, I thought you were coming on as a Limerick supporter. Oh, I'm a Cork woman through and through. Are you joking me? Not at all. But I do have five employees that work from Limerick, and I have nine from Cork. So. Oh, see, oh my goodness, you five li- you five Limerick employees there. Five Limerick employees who are right on the border. We've nine Cork, which is more important. Where about is the shop? In ah, in I see. That's it. That's it. You see, yeah. uh, we're right on the board. There's a lot of rivalry and a lot of fun down here. But I'd say you have. I'd say you have a great crack there in the shop with all with all the clients. So there you go. Yeah. All right, three degrees versus versus love cherish. I'm going to do it again. So have you, got, have, you, have you got a crowd there, Maeve? Get them all out! Get them all out from under the dryers and take the hair out of the bin and or out of the dish and everything. Are you ready? Let's hear it from Charleville for love cherish. Come on, lads. Today it would be good. One, two, three. Up the rubber! Okay, let's try it again for three degrees. What? Okay, we go. Three degrees, go. I'm sorry now, but 
given that there might be some divided loyalties and love cherished, but certainly the three degrees, that's a Cork victory if ever I heard one. <laughs> Listen, who, we, we, where, where will you watch the game Sunday? Anyone going? No, 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 none of us are going, but we're, we're looking forward to seeing it. All right, it'll be, it'll be massive. It'll be a brilliant. And to Pat Horgan and all the team. I know, I know, I know. Any of the lads pop into you there, though? What is it? Any of the lads ever pop in and put the head around the door? Yeah, they would from time to time. Good, good, good. All they right. Would. All right, lads, this is great fun. Three degrees and a love cherished in Charleville with a kind of a divided loyalties. They've got something like, is it, she said, nine Cork and five Limerick staff in the whole. It's just a bit of badness to finish off the programme because that's what we wanted to do. Uh, best of Cork, best of luck to Cork on Sunday. And of course, best luck to the Miners tomorrow. One down with the under 20s, two to go with the Miners and the Seniors. It's excitement all around the programme. Edited by Fergal Barry, produced and researched by Katie O'Keefe. Keith, we're back on Monday, just after nine. Enjoy your weekend. Come on, the Rebels. And leaving you for this Friday with three of Cork's biggest supporters. The Franks, Pat Fitz, and one more. You'll have to wait for that. And you get the distinct impression now that Cork came out angry. Oh, yeah. And they are really focused on this. It's all over. It's all over. And Cork have beaten Kilkenny. After all that we've been true That's a magnificent point by Jodie I know that we fight And our love gets pushed to dust Brian Parker on his knees This will be glorious This is glorious I get distracted, girl, by the ways I'm working up this world But I think Point again, getting away with his Patrick Horgan, and he hits a ball. The ball is going over the bar. Incredible, awesome play by Patrick Horgan. I get distracted, girl, by the ways and workings of this world, but I think of you as my last run, and I'm glad that I'm yours and you. Hi, Pat Fitz here, and I just wanted to say, come on, Cork!
Liam, I'll see you Monday, buddy. Hello, everyone. My name is Adam, and I'm sending good luck to Cork in the All Ireland Finals. Go to Rebels! Bye. Keep us in your newsfeed on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. Follow us right now. Follow us right now at Corks ninety six FM. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.